0: Sorry, I I need to get adjusted in this creaky chair first. Oh, no worries. Then we can start our awkward beginning. (laughs) I think it's
1: already happening. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. That was really good. Um, So, listener, as you picked up by Sean's reference, also the title, um, today we're talking about The Happening by M. Night Shyamalan. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan. I don't think I have much to say. It's
1: just like everything about this dude is baffling and everything about this movie is baffling.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah. You you know what would be a great twist in keeping with sort of a M. Night Shyamalan theme is if we just talked about a different movie. (laughs) Maybe we could, uh, listener, just to give you a little preview, Sean and I decided that probably our next snob is going to be Apocalypto.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mel Gibson. And uh, let's just
0: talk about that.
1: (laughs) Release it under the name The Happening. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, the happening is a, it's certainly a baffling movie. It's, you know, one of the reasons why we decided to talk about it now is because we're still in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the happening is about a pandemic of sorts, kind of a mysterious happening, um, that is just causing people to kill themselves. But not before walking backwards. Oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a little detail that they, they put in there enough to make me think that it was important, but then it was never explored. And so I was left feeling confused.
1: Yeah, it was just kind of like the way to indicate that this person was about to kill themselves in like whatever new way M. Night Shyamalan decided to for that scene. <laughs> it like, started off pretty simply. And then by the end, we have a guy just like running over his own head with a oh, lawnmower. Yeah. Mower.
0: <laughs> That scene was in the was in the trailer. Obviously they didn't show the lawnmower go over him, but they showed him like lying down in front of it. Oh really? Yeah, I remember that so vividly. <laughs> it's pretty much only <laughs> one thing that's that can happen at that point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, another scene that I remember from the trailer and I have my suspicion that one night M. Night Shyamalan was just lounging. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't even realize I said that. <laughs> one night M night <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just so we got one night, M night's lounging. One night, M night. God, I no, I was gonna think of a joke and try and call him M afternoon Shyamalan. Um, <laughs> but he's lounging around and he has this image in his mind of all these construction workers just like jumping off of the building because <laughs> oh, yeah. that scene is pretty like it, it's it seems to be intentionally theatrical or you know what I mean or uh, cinematic mm-hmm. and i could i wouldn't be surprised if i learned that that he like thought of that scene first and then wrote a movie around it hmm yeah what, what would make all these guys just jump off a building <laughs> i would love to know what this guy's
1: process is like like listener right before this episode we were just talking about uh, tim ferris who is uh, a stoic and he interviews people on his podcast about their process and like what the actual practicality of their process looks like. I would like him to talk to M night Shyamalan just to hear like (laughs) where these movies start. Cause like (laughs) they definitely don't start with like a character. It's not like, Hmm, we have this like complex science teacher who (laughs) who acts like a kid and has (laughs) conversations with children throughout the movie like as if he's a kid too yeah um yeah it's definitely like a premise driven thing or in this case like yeah i could see that being an image i have a an image right now of m night on a beanbag chair just kind of like lounging and staring out the window I don't know if he has like a significant other, but I would imagine if he does that they just kind of are used to this behavior. Mm -hmm. And when he's on his beanbag chair, they just (laughs) deliver him some lemon juice
0: or lemon drink. (laughs) (laughs) That is my favorite detail. (laughs) What a what a detailed image you you, you devised. He, yeah. He's on his beanbag chair in basically like a trance-like state, and he's drinking either lemon juice or lemon drink, but not lemonade. Right, one of those two. So either pure tart sour lemon juice or like cafeteria lunch fake lemon drink right. yeah they just have like one soda dispenser in their house that just has lemon drink it's like his his house is becoming more and more complex it's explaining maybe why he thinks in twists because his house is just slowly becoming a twist in my mind right. yeah. they, have, they have a soda dispenser
1: i think there's so much <laughs> like, he's got a computer in the beanbag chair room and just says ideas and it like records it just, like he doesn't have to get
0: up and type anything he just yeah. speaks things i could totally see i i bet you are so right that all his ideas come to him while lounging you know like some people they're taking showers that's their kind of idea time or taking walks he's definitely like a lounger and idea man
1: yeah right yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, what, he, what he'd be wearing, like, his attire. It's either, like, a really nice suit or... the neon green thong. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> either way, there's probably some Chaco sandals.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a very environmental, kind of earthy guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. He had to have been just, like, staring out the window at a tree. Mm-hmm to think of this movie. You want to
0: kill me. (laughs) No. What? No. No, let me think. (laughs) Just let me think a minute. Let me think. (laughs) So, listener, I think Sean and I were both doing impressions of Mark Wahlberg right there.
1: Right. Yeah. Which is pretty much the next logical place to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I, the, that's the most baffling thing about this entire movie to me is Mark Wahlberg in
0: general. I agree. That was the biggest twist. <laughs>
1: this movie doesn't actually have a twist. Like it's kind of not Shyamalanian in that sense. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Mark Wahlberg himself is <laughs> a bigger twist than Bruce
0: Willis being dead. Yeah, because like the whole idea of like a movie with a twist, right, is that you you are like Comfortable because you think you understand what's happening, and then then your worldview is totally shifted. Yeah, well, the
1: rug is ripped out.
0: Yeah, the rug is ripped out from under you. Well, that's that's what it's like watching mid two thousands Mark Wahlberg act. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kind of forgot that. Like now he's sort of beyond all that, and he's kind of like a, a Hollywood, uh, you know, aging into his sort of semi comedic action role sort of guy. But there was a strong period of time in the mid-2000s where he was widely regarded as the worst actor alive. Is that right? <laughs> I think so. If if not, I I think it's I think it, fair yeah. to joke about it.
1: Right. I mean, that's what's baffling about this movie is it's impossible for me to tell if he's actually acting or like trying to act or if he's like part of the joke. And I'm
0: basically certain he's really trying to act. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. I had the exact same thought and I kept going back to this idea of like well, I know M Night Shyamalan was inspired by a lot of like 1950s Martian movies, um world-ending movies, stuff like that. Um mm. when like acting wasn't you know, it seemed a little put on or a little overly theatrical. Okay. Um and I was like, was he trying to do that with Mark Wahlberg? Like did he intentionally get Mark Wahlberg because he knew that he wouldn't be like a good actor, right? That's that's kind of what I was thinking was that <laughs>
1: Shyamalan knew he was doing something that like Wahlberg was not aware of. <laughs> yeah, there's an intended effect that was going to come just through Wahlberg like trying to
0: do this, and it just like succeeded marvelously. <laughs> it really, really did because there are some scenes in here <laughs> that are so poorly acted <laughs> that it's like you couldn't even. <laughs> like there you couldn't even direct the best actor in the world to act that badly. Like that's how outstanding right. it is.
1: Yeah. Is there anything that comes to mind?
0: <laughs> there are two, <laughs> two that come to mind. Um, I think you could probably guess them both. And, and one you, you sent to me, um, <laughs> <laughs> sent you quite a few. So <laughs> <laughs> one is when it sort of is becoming obvious that, uh, Something's happening, and they let out the school where Mark Wahlberg works.
1: And, oh yeah, yeah, and the <laughs> kids are like
0: leaving the room, and he just goes, "Hey guys," and then they look at him. He goes, "Nothing." It's <laughs> just like,
1: what looks what? like disappointed, back down at his like science desk.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what was the point of that? I know I get I, my impression was he was trying to say like be careful, but like why didn't you just? It's just so confusing. <laughs>
1: That's that's one of the most confusing things is, like, the way he, like, interacts with kids throughout the movie or, like, yeah. teenagers. Like, he always calls them guys. Like, come on, come on guys. Like, as wow. if he is one of them. And then there's there's a point, like, maybe two-thirds of the way through the movie where these two kids just, like, yep. kind of appear mm-hmm. and are all of a sudden, like... <laughs> <laughs> like his buddies. With his buddies, yeah. Like, I just don't know where they came from. They just <laughs> were there in a scene <laughs> where his buddies and they there's a scene where they like ask him if he has kids and he's just kind of looks down and like (laughs) it looks like he's kicking rocks he's just like nah (laughs) like ask him like why like why like you got a you got a problem or something (laughs) And he he says something like he's like come on guys like this man is at least 30 years older than these kids (laughs) wow
0: You're so right. There and is he's some... like, no, she just she just didn't want to, guys. His explanations of things are very juvenile. Like his whole yes. his whole character is really feels like a 15-year-old boy.
1: Right. And I wonder how much of that was intentional for
0: Shyamalan. <laughs> wow. Like the... <laughs>
1: what is he intending with
0: that? <laughs> there are some deeply interesting relational things about this movie. Um one of them being this sort of subplot of kind of questions about what kind of parents would Mark Wahlberg and Zoe edition be, and should they have kids? And and then at the end, we find out that she's pregnant, and they adopt mm. uh, John Leguizamo's daughter, and so <laughs> <laughs> they steal her. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that theme is in there, but like, and and then like, I, I would imagine that the idea would be to get the point across in the movie that like, see, Mark Wahlberg is he's pretty damn paternal Look, like, look at how he cared for everyone on this road <laughs> but like, there's nothing about him that strikes me as remotely paternal nor mature
1: right <laughs> he's kind of the guy who's who seems to be taking on a leadership role because like he knows that he's a male and he feels like that he needs to because that's what happens like in movies yeah and so he <laughs> decides to take on this role where he tells people what to do but it never really seems to be the right thing (laughs) like he's not good at like he tells them to go up to that house and like try to get food yeah. this guy shoots both of those two kids like
0: kills them <laughs> and he Mark Wahlberg does not react nearly fast enough like the first kid is killed and then he's just, <laughs> just like keeps he's just, there. yeah he keeps letting the other kid like just like bound on the window it's like dude yeah. at, at that point everyone run just turn and right. run <laughs> <laughs> like this kid
1: just got shot yeah. by some guy in this house it's just, it's just not not worth it
0: <laughs> another another scene where it highlights both Mark Wahlberg's bad acting and just sort of uh, Mark Wahlberg's character is like not com- not comprehending the enormity of the situation <laughs> it's when they're in that house when they're staying in the house of that of that woman who has like li- who's like living off the grid yeah and, Mrs. Jones yeah Mrs. Jones and it becomes clear that she's crazy and everyone's going to bed and she's like she's like threatening him or she's saying something like i beg you're gonna steal my stuff or something like that and he's like no uh-huh. and then she's like you're gonna wake till i go to bed and then you're gonna kill me <laughs> and he just goes no yeah. <laughs> what no and then
1: the scene just ends
0: <laughs> what no
1: it's like
0: what the fuck dude if if yeah. that lady like, said that, ch- yeah, you get, get your stuff and get out of there. <laughs> take
1: your chances out of the night. Like, yeah. this woman is clearly insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the morning, the morning too, he's like the only person awake or something, and wandering around looking for her, and her door's cracked, and he goes in, and you just know something's gonna happen, <laughs> and there's just this like doll on her bed and she stares at it for a while then turns around and she starts screaming like you're gonna steal stuff you came here to steal stuff get out and after that moment he insists on having a conversation with her like he chases her down he's like mrs jones please let's just talk it out let's talk it out it's like dude you made it through the night it's a new day like there, you've got nothing to gain from like, trying to convince this woman that you're not stealing shit like she's completely insane yeah. <laughs> she just has a doll in her yeah. bed in the place of her like what the fuck what, what is go- that's where the lemon that's where the lemon drink came from was her oh that's right remember you know when she when they they come up to her house and Wahlberg's like knocking on the door and then the camera changes angles and she's just like sitting in a rocking chair oh, yeah. on her front porch like probably five feet away from him <laughs> because he didn't see her and she, she asked him why he's eyeing her lemon drink <laughs>
0: <laughs> there, there you go some of M. Night's favorite drink makes its way into his movie
1: <laughs> yeah he likes those meta
0: references <laughs> yeah my favorite part of the happening was when the whole green thong showed up Just, just a further reference of M Night's own personal life. (laughs) Sorry, (coughs) wrong pipe. My lemon drink. That's
1: okay. Hey, yeah, your lemon drink. But if that was water, that uh, you you might be an alien from Signs. (laughs) (laughs) I think that
0: was the twist in that movie. That water kills them. I know. what a, Gibson <laughs> Gibson yeah and Joaquin
1: <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. yeah before he that was kind of gladiator era Joaquin Phoenix yeah. when everyone was like oh man this this guy's a good actor." Yeah. but like before he went insane did
0: he actually and before Gibson went insane oh you're right yeah <laughs> right around the time Edward Furlong was going insane <laughs> I'm kidding I don't I don't think Edward Furlong ever went insane I just he came to mind <laughs> I and I wanted kid. to mention him yeah. that's a good reference thank you (laughs) t2 yes exactly i figure most people probably know him from american history x but i know him from t2 yeah
1: american history x (laughs) don't think i'm ready to go there (laughs) i know that but i did i did watch that movie again recently oh really yeah (laughs) yeah i don't know what to say except tony k who directed that Mm -hmm. um and wrote it (laughs) there's a really weird rabbit hole of like things that happened to him after that movie. Like he just hated the cut and he hated Edward Norton so much and just like went on this huge media campaign before his own movie came out. Just like talking about how much Edward Norton sucks and how he's like a tyrant and like took over the process and like insisted that his name be taken off the movie and basically just destroyed his Hollywood reputation.
0: (laughs) That's huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then there's some weird subplot where, like, in his outcastness, he uh, befriended Marlon Brando. and Who <laughs> <laughs> was living on an island.
0: Was breeding animals. No, I don't know. But I just basically think of the island of Dr. Moreau as, okay. like, shit, that movie has something a similar. Anyway, to go ahead. Because, no, it... it- what what else? So continue with the Tony <laughs> K thing because I might know some more about this actually. All, all I know is that
1: there was something to do with like an improv type of thing that Marlon Brando put on, and Tony K came dressed as Osama bin Laden and like <laughs> did some like sketch where he performed as Osama bin Laden and thought it was really funny. And Marlon Brando, he lost Marlon Brando's friendship after that. <laughs>
0: all hope was lost <laughs> well it, that's it's too bad that he didn't learn if he's calling edward norton a tyrant who sort of took over the process i'm pretty sure marlon brando was known as like the biggest like movie set tyrant ever like, that's right
1: yeah like to the point where he, he showed up in the apocalypse apocalypse now and yeah. I mean, it's really deep into the movie when he shows up and the whole movie builds toward his character and he was a solid, like 50 pounds overweight and refused to say any of the lines that Francis Ford Coppola had written. I <laughs> just <laughs> insisted that he <laughs> change his character. <laughs> wow.
0: Was Was he also, was that character supposed to be bald? Because I think Marlon Brando was completely bald in that, in his scenes.
1: He Yeah, you're right. He was. I, I doubt it because from what I've gathered, he basically was just like everything except what Francis Ford Coppola like <laughs> told him to be. That's <laughs> <laughs> amazing, too, because they had already worked together on The Godfather. Like, oh, yeah. They had some type of way of communicating. But <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. I think Francis Ford Coppola, I think, actually like tried to kill himself during yeah. that movie. Like, I heard that movie
0: literally sweet. destroyed him. <laughs>
1: Marlon Brando played a big role in that.
0: Like the themes that that movie is about just totally (laughs) spread out into the cast and crew. Apparently right? that's what (laughs) tropic thunders lampooning. Oh, Oh, that's right. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but apparently with the Island of Dr. Moreau, I don't know the full story, but the guy who wrote it and was originally slated to direct it, or maybe just the guy who was originally slated to direct it, He, um, because of like all sorts of things, but including Marlon Brando, just wanting to change the story. It was just like, not, not working out or anything like that. And so basically, um, might've even been Marlon Brando, but somehow it was decided that he, he had to go and he wasn't going to direct it anymore. So like long into shooting, it was like maybe half the movie already filmed. All this stuff already happened on like the The pre-production side, this guy was basically told, like, you are not allowed to, you know, do anything else with this. And they were filming it in, like, a really remote location, like some jungle island or place or something. And so they, like, (laughs) kicked this guy off set. And they even sent him to the airport with security and were like, you will be met in L.A., with security at the gate to basically guarantee that this guy did not try and stick around. Well, (laughs) apparently the flight landed in LA and the guy never got off the plane. So somehow he had snuck away and (laughs) apparently apparently, for the next like three months, he kept sneaking onto set, dressed up as extras. (laughs) And like, he basically, he like gorilla directed the movie by like, slipping like ideas to like producers and like other actors like while pretending to be an extra (laughs) (laughs) uh, who is this guy (laughs) i I don't know but the the guy who was originally supposed to direct the island of dr moreau (laughs)
1: Just refused to quit, <laughs>
0: refused to submit. Yeah, it's like and like so Guerrilla like. <laughs> yeah. It's like amazing. <laughs> I think it's incredible. I think there's a documentary about it. Apparently. <sighs>
1: I mean, if they're like in this remote location on an island, he probably like had to sleep in the woods <laughs> like he exactly didn't
0: have, he didn't have a room anymore, <laughs> yeah, and that's I thought the same thing, like where was he sleeping?
1: <laughs> he was, like climbing trees to like get coconuts, <laughs> <laughs> making spears out of t- <laughs> fallen
0: branches, eating raw fish,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom Hanks' is <laughs> castaway is just based on this guy, yeah, wow. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, that's that's like, not two two of the last three podcasts you've had some really great like film extra trivia between this and the Teen Wolf guy that <laughs> exposed himself. Yeah, the extra on the set of Teen Wolf that pulled his pants down.
0: Wow i i was I was re listening to that that episode when we talked about that, and it just it hit me again in a new way of just how absolutely amazing that is <laughs> that the guy did that
1: that's still in the movie
0: have you have you looked it up by chance i i did yes did yeah. you find did you see it yep yeah <laughs> it's really easy to find like you said it is <laughs> it just blows me away it's so funny yeah oh man
1: well i amazingly i actually remember the point of departure into this was um talking about signs oh yes Science. We were talking about uh, Gibson and uh, Furlong. Furlong, people who lost their minds. <laughs> was Edward Furlong was That's the right. the, yeah. uh, the stone turned over ah, down yes. this rabbit hole?
0: <laughs> wow! Had it not been for Furlong, we would have never made it to American History X.
1: <laughs> no, or Doctor Moreau. Wow, it's amazing. Furlong. There's a Furlong. lot more to Furlong than we realized. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he was the linchpin in this entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> He's the twist. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: Oh, I remember signs though. Like that was that was after Unbreakable. It's just like <laughs> it's funny. I want to say third movie because I consider Sixth Sense his first movie, but he made two movies before that. Just no one talks about them or cares about them Mm -hmm. it's just like six senses when m night started i remember uh, joaquin phoenix he was like an ex-baseball player in that movie and he just like definitely hit multiple aliens with a
0: baseball bat Mm -hmm. exactly yes (laughs) and then i think he accidentally really he like knocked one into a table and water spilled on it and for some odd (laughs) reason the daughter would like she thought water was always dirty and so she would always have a glass mm-hmm. of water and then when drinking would just leave it lying around the house. Right. So then that's Abigail when... Abigail Breslin. Oh it was Abigail Breslin.
1: Yeah. Um
0: So yeah, that's when Joaquin just starts hitting all the water.
1: Yeah. But then you had you had asked oh what were you gonna say?
0: No go 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 for it, go for it.
1: You had asked whether or not he actually went insane.
0: Joaquin. Like oh, not in the yes. movie, in, in real life. In real life, yes. Yeah. What what do you think? I had heard, you know, because there was the, a famous David Letterman interview where he's like wearing glasses with like long hair and he's just kind of like and a big beard. Yeah, yeah, and David Letterman's like asking him questions and he's just sort of like like looking to the side, like, "Huh? Uh-huh. Like, Do you just did you just talk?" Um, and someone's like, "That wasn't real. He was preparing for a role." I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's like some quote, documentary that Casey Affleck made called, like, I'm Still Here, I'm Not There or something, and it's, like, Joaquin is that person, he's, like, Joaquin Phoenix in it with, like, a big beard who says he's, like, quitting acting to start a rap career, and that's what he was like telling david letterman and everyone was like what's what's with Joaquin man he's lost it and, <laughs> <laughs> and i think like everyone was really confused about him for a couple of years and then i don't know they said it was a joke or something and he did <laughs> he did uh, the master and basically master. ever since he's pretty much only played insane people yeah that's true that's a good point yeah i think his most normal character since was in her yeah, and that's saying a lot.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow, well, you're right. Her. Yeah, he did. He did really change ever since that he pretended to go insane. Like his, yeah, his, he's just played really
1: insane people. He has. Hmm. And won won the Oscar for it. Did he win the Oscar for Joker? Yeah. Is that right? He did. Okay. Yes, the first not dead guy to win an Oscar for playing the Joker. <laughs>
0: I wonder if that's inscribed on his Oscar. (laughs) Second actor
1: to win the Oscar. First living actor. First actor lived to tell the tale.
0: So I'm going to bring it full circle real quick. Um, Can you... So two different actors have one playing the same character, the Joker. Can you think of another character... uh, who was played by multiple actors and who won playing this character. (laughs)
1: What's the question?
0: (laughs) I was, I was wondering how confusing that would sound because I I don't know how to formulate this question. So I can think of, I can think of another character, film character who was played by multiple actors who won playing this character.
1: Uh, multiple actors, one playing this same character. Correct. Yeah. Is it, uh, Corleone? Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, Marlon Brando. (laughs) Good job. Marlon Brando and, uh, De Niro.
0: De Niro. Yep. Uh, Marlon, Marlon Brando won best actor in or support. I don't know, but he won for Don Corleone in, uh, Godfather and then Godfather two. When De Niro played a younger version, De Niro won, won that. So, okay. I, I think those are the only two only two examples of that.
1: Well, that uh, article I read then saying that this was the first
0: time that happened in history is some bullshit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that, that very it, much it is, is bullshit because it definitely... What the hell? At least I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure De Niro won for The Godfather 2. Hmm. Anyway. We'll just assume he did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) so something I was going to say a little earlier that um, I I actually want to go into now and I could definitely see us doing another M. Night Shyamalan film down the road Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to like know like how is his career broken up like there's like early Shyamalan middle Shyamalan and then there's like late Shyamalan where it's like his movies get Mm -hmm. it's like he's like run out of twists and it's like uh, (laughs) oh angel right like wasn't Lady in the Water was like, an, I don't know f- what the fuck that movie was about. Yeah, I never saw that. I mean,
1: I I, I rarely miss a Paul Giamatti starring <laughs> role, but <laughs> I didn't catch that one. Um, yeah, I, I, there's kind of early... I feel like Lady in the Water was a, a fulcrum into the next period of Shama, mm-hmm. That So there was like Sixth Sense Unbreakable signs in the village, huh. and then we like transition... With Lady in the Water, and The Happening, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh yeah, and I, I, After Earth with Will Smith. Oh my was god, kind of like a descending spiral at that point. <laughs> and seemed to know no bottom, and pretty much it seemed that with After Earth, Shyamalan was destroyed. Yeah, like there was no more Shyamalan, and then he he came back with some movie called The Visit. Was that the one in the elevator? <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't seen it. But all of a sudden, like, <laughs> like my mom was like, you, you got to see The Visit. It's great. And mm-hmm. Like all these people were like, The Visit at and, and Shyamalan. It's really good. It's like, wait a second. We're talking about this guy in a positive way again. And then Split came out. Split. And yeah. And then a shitload of people seem to see that movie and think it was really good. And they're like, oh, there's a really big twist at the end. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Just wait, wait for it. And I mean, probably the third person I talked to just told me what it was. (laughs) Someone (laughs) told me too. (laughs) It wasn't even a twist. It was just like a cinematic universe of Shyamalan. (laughs) It's like it takes place in the same universe as Unbreakable.
0: Yeah.
1: Bruce Willis appears. (laughs) Because doesn't,
0: doesn't like, do you mind if I give away this? Can I talk about Split for a second?
1: Yeah, please. Give something away, maybe yeah yeah i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna
0: watch it <laughs> um i think does does mr glass show up in split or does bruce willis uh, or does you, one of them show up one of
1: them okay yeah probably mr glass i feel like samuel L. jackson
0: like is more of a mic drop moment yeah that'd be great if mr glass oh. <laughs> mr glass shows up and he has all these snakes on him on him he's like i'm tired of these goddamn snakes On my goddamn glass bones. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the real twist. He also he has a cinematic universe that he also merged with Snakes on a Plane.
1: Yeah, he just assimilated the Snakes on a Plane (laughs) Cinematic Universe and just like acts as if that was Mr. Glass throughout that whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's like a strong man and not really
0: fragile. Exactly.
1: Oh man! I think he, then yeah he made another one. Really? Glass. Oh okay.
0: Is that actually out?
1: Yeah. Really? Yeah, and it has Willis Jackson and McAvoy. Yeah. I wow.
0: When did that come out? I don't know, like a year ago or something. Because I was about to say, <laughs> I think he's making a movie about Mr. Glass. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. It already came out. It got it got bad reviews. <laughs> I was
0: gonna say, well that's quite a twist. He just slipped it in.
1: Yeah. Wow. But I think it still like did pretty well. So he just like <laughs> like what, eighteen years down the road decided to like create his own cinematic universe. It is kind of amazing. Based on,
0: it's like based on unbreakable. Yeah.
1: I guess it is superheroes, so I mean that's cinematic universe land. So, you know, who- and you got X-Men boy
0: being split guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Quentin Tarantino mm-hmm. loved Unbreakable. He did. Yes. Yeah. He thought one of his, uh, it was on his list of best movies of the last 18 years or whatever. It was. And he, in that list, he goes, he refers to M. Night Shyamalan as M. Night Shyamalan ding dong. <laughs> I, I could see them being friends. Yeah. Yeah. They're very different. Are, are you? What's that? Are you an Unbreakable? Are you an Unbreakable fan? Um, I, um, I would say I think I think I am, but I actually don't know if I've ever seen that movie in its entirety. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. one of those movies I've caught. I'm, I'm big, big fan. You're a big fan. Yeah, for several reasons. Oh, I'd love to hear them.
1: <laughs> My earliest memory of Unbreakable was. Um, at uh john simpson's birthday party and uh probably it's 2000 that was probably sixth grade Mm -hmm. and we went to the premiere of x-men with patrick stewart Uh and jackman yep at uh the esquire theater in st louis love that theater it was (laughs) in like the big main theater room and i mean it was just packed just completely packed and there was a preview for Unbreakable. And at one point, there was like a cross dissolve. And it cross dissolved to Samuel Jackson, his face with his like wiry, crazy hair. And the whole theater just started laughing hysterically. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: that's, is so that's amazing. my
1: earliest memory of that movie. And then beyond that, It was his follow-up to Sixth Sense, you know, which, like, everyone saw and was, like, this big sensation. So, there's all this hype, like, oh, man, it's his next movie. It's going to be, like, The Sixth Sense and have this twist. It's just, like, nothing at all like (laughs) Sixth Sense. It's just, like, about Bruce Willis, like, being Superman and it becomes a comic book movie. And I, I really feel like I've kind of followed M. Night Shyamalan's career through my mom's reactions and i remember her coming back from that movie and just talking about how dumb it was (laughs) was she loved the sixth sense so much that she was so upset that it was a comic book movie (laughs) so i I like that thing that that movie itself was this kind of twist (laughs) yeah
0: like i will say just when you think you maybe have pinpointed who M. Night Shyamalan is as a director, <laughs> he will just do something so different. It's like, where the fuck? Like, After Earth, when I learned that he did that, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this man fits in no genre.
1: Yeah, yeah. And another, uh, <laughs> another little twist to his career, he wrote the screenplay for the film Stuart Little. Oh, my God. <laughs> that
0: is such a twist. Stuart Baffling guy (laughs) that is amazing yeah yeah you know Um, there was no go ahead I was just going to say you always know an M. Night Shyamalan movie if it takes place in Philadelphia like
1: Uh, if it takes place in Philadelphia
0: or on the outskirts of Philly in Pennsylvania it's like this is an M. Night Shyamalan movie (laughs) yeah that's right he directed uh, Rocky right (laughs) I was actually going to make a joke like that. I like. I thought of that like this morning when I woke up. I was like, I'm going to try and work in a Rocky joke when we snob today.
1: <laughs> is, is he a Philly guy?
0: I think he grew up like right outside Philly. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Sixth Sense, I'd imagine, is Philly. It's got that Philly vibe. Okay. Yeah. Like all those parts where Bruce Willis is eating Philly cheesesteak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> R- running. All those Flyers games. <laughs> <laughs> so cold uh, in
0: this hockey rink. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I've actually wondered if parts of After Earth take place in like After Earth, Philadelphia. Okay. Did you actually Just... see that movie? I've actually seen that movie several times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. I haven't
1: seen that movie and I think you're the first person I've met who has.
0: I think I'm the only person I know who's seen that movie as well.
1: Are you are you a fan? <laughs>
0: It's like even for his – even if you were to hate an M. Night Shyamalan movie, I feel like it's so intriguing and partly because it's like you just constantly – you're not on the edge of your seat probably in the way that you are when you watch The Sixth Sense. But his movies always leave me on the edge of my seat, partly because I'm thinking like either what's going to happen next or what is happening. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? What's going on? um. You know, actually, if I had to say, After Earth is – it has some avatar elements to it. Is that right? Yeah. Like, partly because it's this – do you know the premise of it? No. So, After Earth refers to our, Earth as we know it right now, but it takes place, like, um, I don't know, thousand years in the future when Earth is now, like, totally different. And so – you know what? I can't even explain this. The point is <laughs> the ecology of planet earth is now like incredibly hostile to humans. It's basically, honestly, it's like, it's like if the happening kept going okay. and like basically earth has turned against humans and now we're like 500 years in the future and humans cannot live on earth anymore. So it, ba- I honestly, I bet in Shyamalan's mind, it is like the logical continuation of the happening. Okay. Yeah. Which and, makes sense because this movie, it, The Happening, ends with the continuation of The Happening. It's exactly. just moved to France. Yes, exactly. So um, what do you know? Oh, we can't control this. Humans, let's pack up and let's live on a different planet. And now all of a sudden, 500 years later, movie after Earth. And Will Smith and his son, both in the movie and in real life, um, end up mm-hmm. crash landing on, on our Earth today. And it's incredibly hostile. But Will Smith Bunch has, a, yeah, weird stuff pl- like um, the, the temperature can change like 200 degrees in a second. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty incredible.
1: Sounds like that middle portion of Shyamalan's career is getting pretty heavy handed with the environmental messages. Yeah, he really was. Maybe he was pairing up with Cameron. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Maybe they were trying <laughs> to <laughs> outdo each other.
1: Yeah. <laughs> trying to one up each other, like Paul <laughs> McCartney and Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, <laughs> to one up Sergeant Pepper's and Pet Sounds. Cameron was trying to one up After Earth with Avatar. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Didn't see that Shyamalan was going to come back
0: with the visit. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Paul McCartney, um, the the boy <laughs> Jack in Hook, uh, Robin Williams' son. Oh, yeah. I've always thought that kid looked a lot like Paul McCartney. You're right. Yeah. He just sort of has this smooth, round face with dark eyes.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. And,
0: and a dark bowl cut.
1: A dark bowl cut. Yeah. He's got the mop top.
0: Mm hmm. And then there's a poster of A Hard Day's Night in a flashback in Hook. Really? Yeah.
1: Back when panning was pan?
0: Yep. Exactly.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: In um, Wendy's room. Uh huh. Ah, or, or like okay. actually Wendy's granddaughter's room. Wendy's granddaughter's room. Mm-hmm. Mora, the uh, woman he ends up marrying.
1: Yeah, the whole that all that stuff always confused me when I watched that movie. <laughs> like the whole concept of age and who was marrying who and I don't know, maybe it makes sense now, but it, it confused <laughs> my child self.
0: Yeah, it is confusing because if you think about it, uh that character, that man played by Robin Clone Williams. Close? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that may that scene panning. <laughs> panning yeah panning um i guess technically he's probably like a hundred years old maybe maybe he's like 110 120 something. and as his like robin williams self yeah yeah because he's, he's been alive <laughs> a very long time okay maybe not yeah. 100
1: he's kind of like uh ages in much of the way that baby yoda ages oh i don't i haven't seen (laughs) the mandalorian (laughs) i uh i i have to admit that i have one episode left wow good for you (laughs) and i the only reason i wanted to mention it is because there's an actor in it who i think would make you just as happy as me to see in an acting role do you know who i'm talking about actually there's two
0: wow yeah,
1: two two actors in that that made me very happy to see.
0: In in one the of series, them is, what's that? In the series, in the Mandalorian. In this in the series, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, who, yeah, who are I? I haven't heard. Who are they? <laughs> one of them is uh, Apollo Creed, Carl oh, Weathers. Oh, really? Yeah, we got Weathers. Awesome, that is great. I love that guy. Is the other one John yep. Goodman by any chance? It is not John Goodman. <laughs> that would be <been> cool. <laughs> that would be nice. It's one that you would never expect because it's werner herzog <laughs> wow that's, you know what i actually now that you say that i i had heard that i did know that that's a is his accent still the exact same it's, it's
1: the exact same like, he just sounds like werner herzog but he's an actor instead of the narrator of grizzly man <laughs>
0: it's like um he, his voice is like the most soothing <laughs> thick German voice ever. <laughs> there's something about it. Yeah. It's unlike any it's, other voice on earth.
1: Yeah, there's something about it that confuses me. And like in the Mandalorian, he's he speaks every line at the exact same rhythm. Like <laughs> no, but you can somehow get a sense of the stakes. Mm. <laughs> I see that. I I can't even try to do an impression of that voice. It's so hard. To <laughs> Yeah. I've, I've tried before and I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. But it's, it's worth watching a couple hmm. episodes just to see him. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> I feel like what you said at the beginning of this, that we should just spend the whole episode not talking about the happening has actually happened.
0: <laughs> I thought about that a little, like twenty minutes ago. <laughs> we mentioned multiple other Shyamalan movies, but not this one. I bet if someone like did a breakdown, I, I'm, I think we've definitely talked about other Shyamalan movies more than the happening. And it's quite possible we've talked about the the Unbreakable series more. Just just anything in the Unbreakable universe longer than the happening so far.
1: There's a good chance we talked about the Island of Doctor Moreau more than the happening. <laughs>
0: Like, cause we really didn't even, we talked about Mark Wahlberg not being a good actor and that,
1: yeah, that's, it. That's, that's pretty much it. It's an all around pretty, pretty bad guy. So the dialogue in this movie is astounding. Mm-hmm. Like there's a part where uh, they're like walking through a field and they split off from this other group and all of a sudden they start hearing gunshots from the other group and so they know, like, that group is killing themselves. Yeah. And they all just start freaking out. Like, we got to do something. Like, Mark Wahlberg, what do we do? He's like, give me a second. Give me a second. And they just keep going back and forth. Like, what do we do? <laughs> and he ruffs with Mark Wahlberg, like, why can't you just give me a second? <laughs> just give me a second, please. And then he turns and starts mumbling to himself. And the first line he says is, <laughs> all right, be scientific, douchebag.
0: <laughs> I laughed so hard at that.
1: I had to rewind it to make sure I wasn't hearing things. Yeah, it's like, oh, be scientific, Dishbag. And then he starts like telling himself what he taught his students in the first yeah. act. Like, yeah. what are the four steps of science? Yeah, he's <laughs> like
0: going through I the scientific to method. Yeah, it's like why? <laughs> why you don't have to like talk all this stuff out loud?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I um, that scene made me laugh so hard because it's like everything about that particular scene was a comedy in my mind. It's like mm-hmm. it wasn't like. Give me a second, like let me think. And then someone else, he's like, I said, give me a second, let me think. It goes on for like at least a minute. He's like, I said, give me a second. And they like, Come on, give me a second. I still give me. It's like, it's like wow. Like it, it almost took it to the point where it's like it became funny and then was like unfunny again. And then it went so long <laughs> they became funny again. It's like, It's, right. it's like maybe I'm not Shyamalan like recognizing how bad each one of the takes were. Was just like. Put them all in there. Just yeah, do every take of yeah. Mark Wahlberg saying, give me a second. <laughs> I li- yeah. Sorry. A- I, what I, were you going to say? I was just going to say, I like that he, I, I really like that he referred to himself as a douchebag uh, mm-hmm. because it's, it was like, it was like oddly <laughs> endearing. It's like, oh, this, this character is kind of a, it's kind of a classic bro. Um, and he called himself a douchebag. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Why would he ever do that? It was really funny. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, like, before that scene, there's, like, a part where this whole crowd is, like, gathered in this meeting of the roads where apparently down every single road is the happening. And so they don't really have anywhere to go. And all of a sudden, this woman is on the phone with, like, her daughter. And they're, like, trying to get information about where the daughter is because that's where, like, John Leguizamo was... And, like, the woman is, the way she's talking, it clearly indicates that, like, her daughter is, like, losing her mind Mm -hmm. and getting taken over and about to kill herself. And Wahlberg just, like, snatches the phone from her as she's freaking out and puts it to his ear and kind of looks blankly. He's like, I hear the wind outside. And then just gives it back to her and leaves. (laughs) And She's still just, like, stricken with the same griefs. (laughs) he didn't even acknowledge her grief or like do anything comforting he just (laughs) took the phone to say that and left
0: yeah like i pretty douchebag move very much i um Throughout watching this movie, I realized that only one character in my mind had appropriate emotional responses to what was happening. And that was John Leguizamo. Uh, (laughs) I I was actually really impressed with his acting because it's like, when you should have been worried, he conveyed worry. And like, he, he had to go try and find his wife. So he put his daughter in the care of, you know, Mark Wahlberg. And it was actually like, I was like, oh, I... I kind of believe this guy—that this guy's like actually afraid. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg though, and and Zoe Deschanel's character too—they were just like, "Huh? Oh yeah. no!"
1: They just looked confused every single scene. Yeah, <clears throat> you know it's you—you you have to wonder if, like, halfway through the movie. Like Shyamalan realized that there was just no way this was going to be scary, so he just decided to like make it more and more absurd throughout it, and like play up Mark Wahlberg's ridiculousness. Because like, why would he have Mark Wahlberg sing the Doobie Brothers song "Black Water" at the door of this guy to like indicate that he wasn't? Losing his mind. Oh my God, you are so right. It's <laughs> really, really bad voice. Oh, Blackwater, keep on rolling.
0: <laughs> hey, basically, he kind of whispers it. He's, yeah.
1: Wh- He's like, no, no, see, we're, we're of a sane mind. Listen.
0: Wow, you are so right. There's also, I, saw,
1: I watched this like commentary type of thing about the movie, and it showed a behind the scenes clip of Shyamalan directing Wahlberg in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Wahlberg looks so, like, exhausted and just, like, really, he just looks completely emotionally drained and disappointed at, like, what seems to be the realization that he's in a really bad movie. And he's, he's basically like, you want me to go up? It's like, why, why would this house be here? Why would it blah, blah, blah? And, like, he looks really serious. <laughs> and like, Shyamalan's response is to just start laughing.
0: Like, he just laughs. <laughs> he just <laughs>, laughs in Mark Wahlberg's face.
1: Yeah, he basically just laughs. He's like, no, don't worry about it. And
0: Wahlberg looks really upset. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I I am not surprised by something like that at all. Because I realized that the, I find the premise of this movie to be, like, really promising and really good. But once it's clear that it is the trees, like, at that point... What can you do? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we don't care for these characters enough that we're afraid they're gonna die, like, cause we know they're not. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. we've already seen some gruesome stuff, so it's not like it's gonna get worse. Um, yeah. like, all mystery is gone once it's obvious it's the trees. And that's like 30 <laughs> right. minutes into the movie. So it's like, now <laughs> what do you do for the next hour? You sort of send them on like a little bit of an odyssey, and then it's like, there's, like, such lack of, of any suspense that you have to go to this house where the two kids are killed and then you have to go to the house where the crazy woman yeah. is and then you, like, yeah. have the crazy woman start bashing in the windows with her head. And it's, like... Uh-huh. It's, it's like, all the, the... The main driving force of the movie that's happening has just lost all... Any any sense of of being, like, a, a plot point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like i said at the beginning it's
0: just really baffling it is (laughs) oh that's amazing Mm yeah
1: yeah i don't know what else (laughs) to say i I feel like there was some some things he kind of got right in terms of like what's happening with coronavirus now just like the way widespread confusion can just like upend society mm-hmm. and the way people look for something to blame but i don't know it's just it's just so odd <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah and I, I i think it goes back to what you said at the beginning where it's like his movies are not centered around characters and they're not really centered around even a plot. Like I find his movies to be centered around a twist. And the thing about a twist is Mm -hmm. like, you really have to work toward it. And so as much as someone could bash on a movie like the village, the twist is, is held off until like the very end. Likewise with Mm -hmm. the sixth sense. Sorry. I kind of burped right there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How could you, that was my twist. Um, (laughs) so even like a lot of his movies movies they hold it off and so you're you're left kind of curious for for a long enough time but this one it 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 was pretty obvious pretty early on that it was the trees (laughs) and then you uncle rico do you do you remember the uncle rico character uncle rico's in this. is that uncle rico from napoleon dynamite the guy who has the tree yeah oh I, i don't know i think that's him
1: it did, The guy did have a familiar yeah. face.
0: Um, a part that made me <laughs> laugh so hard in this movie is when they're going to catch a ride with them. This like old hippie couple who, you know, runs a nursery and he and his wife are just, they are really into hot dogs. <laughs> Remember how That's much right. they talked about hot dogs? <laughs> yeah. He was like defending them. He's like, they get a bad yeah. rap, but you know, they they're cheap, they're good protein, they taste good. It's like, what is the point of this? What? Why is this guy doing that? Why are you devoting, like, close to the minute of this
1: movie to this random guy's defense of hot dogs? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but my favorite, my favorite, I laughed so hard at this. When that, when that guy was in his nursery, he goes, you know, you know what's causing this? And then he had kind of a cross eye. He goes, it's the plants. And just this sort of like matter of fact, like not worried, joyful kind of like theory just was like really odd and made me laugh really hard. <laughs> it's the
1: plants. Did you notice the way he describes the the plants was pretty similar to the way that plants are described in Avatar?
0: Wow. I did not. But right when you began that sentence, I knew where it was going.
1: So underground communication network. You are so they can right. all communicate instantly. Like the Sigourney Weaver is trying to explain to Giovanni Ravisi. <laughs> yeah.
0: What are you smoking? <laughs> wow, you are so right. It's like the exact same yeah. theory of plant communication, basically. Yeah, him and Cameron just getting the same messages out yeah. there. Either working together or secretly, you know, Cameron's like, you may release more movies than me, Shyamalan, but mine make more money. <laughs> and then Shyamalan torts with something. <laughs> <laughs> or
1: just goes to his beanbag chair. Drink him, lemon. Wait for another vision. <laughs> Some lemon drink. <laughs> nice. Well, I think that's about all I have to say about that.
0: Yeah. I honestly, even if he started torturing me, I actually don't know if I could say anything more about this movie.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. That's that's just about it.
0: Yeah. Although I tell you, it, it got me excited to maybe do another Shyamalan movie down the road. Maybe we could, uh, actually, I don't know. I don't know which one it would be because a lot of them, once the twist is revealed, it's kind of it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know I, I saw some bad reviews of The Sixth Sense back in the day. They were like, this is a pointless movie. Like, the only point mm. of this movie is for the twist. Interesting. Like, yeah. All right.
0: Hmm. But yeah. s- still. I've
1: heard that same complaint about uh, The
0: Usual Suspects. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> Considered one of the one of the better movies. <laughs> by by everyone. <laughs> hey, I'm with the keys, cocksucker.
1: <laughs> is that is that Benicio del Toro
0: yeah <laughs> hey without keys, of what the fuck then <laughs> <laughs> you have Baldwin I think it's Billy or Stephen one, yeah, one of the non-Alec Baldwin <laughs> <laughs> that should just be all of their names non-Alec <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that that movie's usual suspects. That's got that involves two bad guys, Spacey and Singer,
0: Brian Singer. Oh, you mean because he's a bad guy now? <laughs> yeah, like they're yeah I, bad I guys in real life. Oh, in re- <laughs> oh oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was like for a second I was like did, did Brian Singer act in it? Oh no, yeah.
1: You was <laughs> the other villain in that movie. <laughs>
0: um yeah, you're right. Very interesting.
1: Good thing we still got Burn. Gabriel Burn.
0: Yep. Burn. <laughs> 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 <Whew. laughs> I just I I was just laughing at the idea of considering what percentage of people even know who Gabriel Burn is. <laughs> probably close to one millionth of a percent <laughs> do, do you know who he is i do yeah
1: <laughs> yeah you would basically have to be a huge enough fan of the usual suspects to know his name as an actor or be a big fan of miller's crossing uh uh-huh, yeah. Brothers, or perhaps a fan of hereditary recent oh. recent movie but you still probably wouldn't know the name of the actor
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah might recognize his face
1: have you have you seen hereditary
0: no Hmm. um yeah there's
1: there was a spoiler i wanted to say but Uh, i'll I'll not say it oh thank you yeah yeah (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) oh nice hmm um well it feels I, i wasn't thinking about this but we've got uh Doing the happening, which is talking about coronavirus, and then we're moving next into Apocalypto when yeah. we will have arrived at the apocalypse. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. That movie, oh I cannot wait. Cannot wait to yeah. rewatch that movie.
1: <laughs> I might go watch it right now. Seriously. <laughs> it's right, so good.
0: It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sometimes when I think about Apocalypto, I'm like, I cannot believe a human being directed this. Like, that, this movie is so amazing.
1: Yeah, like, how can how can someone make a movie that level of actual epic? Like, to yeah. just be so epic in one movie? <laughs> <laughs> Only Mel Gibson could do that. Yeah. Like, is there anyone else that could have made that?
0: I have no idea. That's it's a really good point. Yes.
1: Oh, I feel like he's—you know—he was—he's been hated for a really long time mm-hmm. now. I—I don't know if it's just my perception, but I feel like he's kind of reemerging from the underground as a sort of hero. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Are there any any particular <laughs> moments or things that have kind of made you feel that way?
1: Um, hmm. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Probably just the way you and I talk about him. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I did see like a video of Robert Downey Jr. like talking about him. It was years ago and like just basically screaming at hollywood to like lift the ban on mel gibson <laughs> just like saying that he's a great man
0: <laughs> it's really interesting
1: yeah that yeah, was good
0: <laughs> oh man well i really look forward to that
1: yes yeah it'll be good
0: yeah all right all right listener thank you for not listening
1: yeah <laughs> appreciate it good luck out there
0: yeah yeah stay safe all right see ya see ya